I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Remember the riots in England last summer? Well, an official report into the causes of those riots is coming out this week. Parts of the document have been leaked, though. The report cites a lack of support and opportunities for young people in Britain as key factors. Right after the riots, Prime Minister David Cameron pointed to Glasgow as an example the rest of Britain should follow. Cameron was talking about the Scottish city's success in reducing youth-related gang violence over the past four years. Glasgow, though, borrowed much of its strategy from Boston and Cincinnati. The world's Laura Lynch reports. It's after dark in the Glasgow neighborhood of Castle Milk, often a dangerous time in this gritty part of town. But this center, packed with 13 to 25-year-olds, is buzzing with the energy of youth playing pool, watching TV, or even taking cooking classes. The centre has negotiated with six local gangs to grant youngsters coming here safe passage. Hello, good evening. Welcome to the show. It's two minutes past six. You're listening to Cyclone FM. What a joy it is to be back. Upstairs, 16-year-old Charles Lang is starting his online radio show, Lang grew up in the neighbourhood, and here's what he considers normal. Listen to his list of people he knows who have been attacked or jumped. My father's been jumped, my cousin's been jumped, me and my friend get jumped just before Christmas there, my sister's been jumped. It's just just been in the wrong place at the wrong time, I think. And that's just off the top of his head. Lang is happy to be able to come here, to go anywhere, really. There was a time when he wouldn't step outside his house at night, and a time when he thought about joining a gang. So you were tempted to get into a gang because you wanted to be seen as popular? Well, well I almost did get into a gang, and I've, I've witnessed um, gang fights. How old were you when you saw the gang fights? When I was 12, 13. You said you're hanging out with the cool kids. That, that was well, the idea. The, yeah, that was, the, that was the sort of idea, and I think that's, that's everyone's idea. In fact, gangs have been a part of Glasgow's violent subculture for decades, portrayed recently in this film set in the 1970s. Then, as now, young men arm themselves with knives, machetes or broken bottles and set upon each other in housing projects, parks and sometimes in the city centre. In 2004, Glasgow was the murder capital of Western Europe. That was when police intelligence chief Karen McCluskey decided to travel across the Atlantic. I mean, I think we've, um, we've stolen quite a lot from America and we embraced the philosophy at the very beginning that no-one's safe until everyone's safe. We've tried to get everybody involved and for everybody to realise they've got responsibility. McCluskey met in the US with David Kennedy, who is the driving force behind successful anti-gang violence initiatives in Boston and Cincinnati. McCluskey returned convinced it could work in Glasgow. It was a new approach that mixed a zero-tolerance policing policy with broad-based community efforts. Get gang members into education, work, and a new way of life. She admits it wasn't an easy sell. But what they were saying was, well, these are African-American men, predominantly who have been dealt with in Boston. I said, well, when I saw them, they were exactly the same as the young guys that we had in Glasgow. They were deprived, they had no aspiration. It was all about respect, a whole range of things that the violence came out of. Race wasn't the key thing. What was key, McCluskey believed, was reaching out to disaffected young men. With about 170 gangs across the city, hundreds of them were at risk of violence. Emergency room doctors estimated someone was knifed every six hours. James was one of them. 
the jagged scar near his mouth, a telltale sign of his troubled past. By the time I'm 12, I was carrying a knife. By the time you were 12, you're carrying a knife? Yeah. She doesn't really much memory of what happened in between, but there's, um, most of the memories are negative and they're not really at happy times, but they, I'm carrying a knife at 12 and I'm way older guys who stay in the housing scheme, so I'm running with people who are about 15 and I'm 12. James fits the familiar pattern. Growing up poor, both his parents were alcoholics. He says his father began beating him when he was five years old. Did you like being part of a gang? Did, it, did you feel like you belonged somewhere? I felt safe. Didn't feel secure in my house. But when I was in the gang, I felt secure. You so, felt more secure out with the gang than you felt in your own house? Yeah, I was getting security out of them. They were meeting needs that I wasn't getting in the house. I was noticed I was a somebody in the gang. But the gang life eventually led to prison. By the time I was 15, I had already used a knife and I was doing, was doing a two-year prison sentence. Let's be clear about that. You say by the time you were 15, you'd already used a knife. What you're saying is you'd stabbed people by the age of 15. Yeah. For What did you do? I cut a guy's face with a knife. Um, and I went, I went to prison for two years and, and when I got out, I just went back running about with the gang. Even that wasn't enough. James went back to the gang and then at the age of 20 was convicted after a man he was fighting with fell under a bus and died. James is now 33, out of jail and father to a little girl. And he's one of the Glasgow Violence Reduction Unit's secret weapons, lending some street cred to a gathering labelled a call-in. Gang members are summoned to a meeting along with stark police warnings and graphic photos of slashed faces, men like James deliver vivid, powerful stories about their traumatic past and what it's cost them and their families. John Carnican, a grizzled veteran cop, wasn't certain all this touchy-feely U.S.-style talking would work. And, and, and the call-ins, Karen was always convinced were a key component of it. I, was, I wasn't convinced at the start. I thought, mm, this is to do with America. This is a bit too much of a theatre for me. And I'm now absolutely convinced they are a fundamental part of how this works. Carnican now heads up the Violence Reduction Unit. He's watched the numbers go down. Among the 500 or so gang members who signed a pledge to work with the unit since 2008, violence offending has been cut nearly in half. Carnican recalls one moment when he knew it was going to work. And a fella stood up who was maybe about 20 or 21, scars on his face, the, the, the stereotypical young East End Glasgow man, and he pointed to another table and he said, see the guys at that table over there? I've been fighting with them since I was 11. I want to know why. Glasgow's success has led to plans to expand into other neighbourhoods it hasn't been able to reach. And Karen McCluskey is now looking to intervene before boys ever get close to gangs. This daycare centre offers sanctuary for children who are classified as vulnerable, but it also offers parenting courses for young, often single mothers to try to break the cycle of violence. McCluskey sees this as a priority for a community where the problem is still far from being fixed. But we are not fixed by a long way. Um, we will have to have huge resilience um, to keep this going. We'll have to keep partners interested. So 
I'm delighted at the, the initial um, impact that we've had, but this is a long journey that we're going to be on. Key to that will be continued funding and government support. Otherwise, she warns, the gains in Glasgow could disappear in the flash of a knife blade. For The World, I'm Laura Lynch in Glasgow. You can hear an interview with an American expert on gang-related violence who worked with officials in Glasgow as they were drafting their program. That audio extra is at theworld.org. This is PRI.